Book Two, Chapter Ten of Strangers and Pilgrims. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Book Two, Chapter Ten. O last love, O first love, my love with the true, true heart to think i have come to this your home and yet we are apart a sleepless night night of tossing to and fro and mental fever and doubt and uncertainty half-formed resolves a long struggle between love and pride and the early summer light shines on a pale eager face and tired eyes that have been watching for the dawn when that laggard morning comes elizabeth luttrell has made up her mind to do something very desperate very mad perhaps she does not shrink from confessing as much to herself but something without doing which she feels she cannot endure her life she will see him once more face to face hear his voice speaking to her and her only once more in their lives touch his hand perchance in friendly farewell and then resign herself to their inevitable parting of the reversal of that decree or that any influence she could bring to bear can make him waver in his purpose she cherishes no hope there was that in his speech and manner last night which spoke of a resolve no earthly forces could shake what could her selfish passion her narrow love do against a purpose so high a scheme that involved the eternal welfare of millions for who shall assign the natural limits of the missionary's work or gauge the width of their new world over which his influence shall extend no she deluded herself with no hope that he might be turned aside even at the last moment by the witchery of her smiles by the pathos of her tears she knew now that his world was not her world that wide as the east is from the west were her thoughts from his thoughts she hoped nothing except that he would hear her patiently when she sought to exonerate herself from the charge of inconstancy or any flagrant wrong against him hear her when she told him the true history of her acquaintance with lord paulyn hear and believe her and carry away with him at least the memory of a woman who had loved him dearly and had never wronged him by so much as a thought and then they would shake hands calmly and he would give her his blessing the blessing of a possible saint and martyr and so he would fade for ever from her bodily eyes leaving only that image of him which he must carry in her heart to the grave i have no pride where he is concerned she thought as she paused to consider how vast an outrage against the conventionalities she was about to perpetrate the up-train by which most london-bound travellers of the superior or first-class rank were accustomed to depart from hawley was a nine o'clock express she thought it more than probable that mr ford would go to london as the preliminary stage of his journey and it was just possible that he might go by that train if she called at his lodgings at eight o'clock she would secure her desired interview she knew his early habits 
and that he had generally breakfasted and begun his day's work by that hour of what mrs humphreys the carpenter's wife might say about this untimely visit she thought nothing being indeed at all times too impetuous for profound consideration of consequences she dressed herself quietly while blanche was still asleep they had a slip of a bathroom converted from the oratory of some medieval chatelaine on one side of their tower here elizabeth made her toilet and then crept softly out of the bedchamber without awakening her sister from halcyon dreams of new curates yet hidden behind the curtains of fate she went down the narrow winding stair and out by the lobby door unseen by so much as a servant and walked by field paths and lanes that skirted the town towards the tranquil domicile of mr humphreys she recalled that other summer morning nearly a year ago good heavens what a long year when she had gone by the same road to make the same kind of unauthorized visit half in sport half in earnest defiant reckless eager to do something that would bring light and color into her monotonous life and desperately in love with the man she pretended to hold so lightly then she had gone to him with a proud sense of her power to conquer and bring him to her feet as she had sworn to do the night before in the passion of wounded pride now she went humbled to the dust convinced of her insignificance in the plan of his life only anxious that he should not go away thinking worse of her than she deserved the street door of the humphreys abode radiant in the splendor of newly polished brass plate and handle was standing open as she approached mrs humphreys engaged in conference with the butcher occupied the threshold and paused from her discourse with an astonished air at seeing miss luttrell that air that look of surprise astonished the girl to a sense of the singularity of her untimely visit the peril of petty gossip and small rustic scandal in which she stood she made a feeble attempt to protect herself from this hazard good morning mrs humphreys she said with a friendly air i've been for a before breakfast walk round by the common it is so nice after london i have a message for mr ford from papa do you think he would come downstairs for a few minutes and hear all about it i know he is a very early riser oh miss luttrell what a pity leastways if it's anything very particular mr ford went away by the mail train last night he went last night elizabeth repeated helplessly yes miss it wasn't like him to travel on a sunday evening after that moving sermon too there wasn't a dry eye in the church i do believe but the ship he sails in the columbius leaves liverpool this afternoon and there was no help for it i do hope he'll have nice weather poor dear gentleman added mrs humphreys with a hopeful air as if he had been about to cross the straits of dover this was a death-blow he had gone away and carried with him to the other end of the world the conviction of her faithlessness she went slowly homewards wondering vaguely what she should do with the remnant of her life 
how she was to live on for an indefinite number of years and eat and drink and sleep and pretend to be happy now that he had vanished out of her existence for ever then a new anger against him was slowly kindled in her breast how could he have been so hard so cruel as to leave her thus without one last word of compassion and forgiveness without a line of farewell he saw me in the church last night she thought and yet could leave me without one touch of pity he can boast of the grandeur of his own prospects the splendor of his own hopes and he has not one thought for my broken life he cares nothing what becomes of me she brooded over this unkindness with deep resentment what right had he to take possession of her soul and then cast her off coldly to this beggarly divorcement what does he imagine will become of me she said to herself i suppose he thinks i shall marry lord paulyn in spite of his warning and be miserable for ever afterwards or does he think i shall repent my sins and join some protestant sisterhood or die broken-hearted because of his unkindness oh if i could only die he might be sorry perhaps for that if the news of my death ever reached his distant world or if he were to come back to this place some day and find my grave in the churchyard and discover at last that i loved him well enough to die of his desertion end of book two chapter ten recording by john brandon